Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number six with our guest, Nicola Taggart. On today's episode, you cannot have a relationship with your intuition and hear your intuition and respond to your intuition unless you have some calm in your life. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us today. This episode is really impactful for one main reason. It's it's about learning how to be calm. Yeah, and this is really something I've struggled with so much of my life. I don't think anybody ever would have described me. Oh, oh Josh? Oh yeah, you mean you mean that guy who's really calm? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh anxious and anxiety filled me so much of my life. And this is really one of the reasons that I'm on this journey now and why I'm doing these episodes is to sort of bring to light what I've done to help reduce that stress, overwhelm, anxiety, and just get over all of that fear that got in the way. And hope you might be able to learn a thing or two to make a small improvement in your life as I've been able to do in mine. And what I'm realizing is it's just about being intentional about the energy you bring into the world and into your experience. And another way of saying that is simply to consider your reaction to things. Because really, your reaction is simply based on your interpretation of things or an event around you, or the meaning you give to a situation or thing around you, right? It's it's how you interpret that thing. The meaning you give it will absolutely dictate how you respond, how you react, how you feel, what you do and say with that interpretation and that feeling and what energy you then put out into the world. And as you know, all that can quickly have you feeling out of control and full of anxiety. Certainly, that was the case for me for quite a long time. Now, personally, I was able to make small, consistent adjustments to to my thought pattern, to my well-being, to my eating and sleeping habits. 
I've begun meditating, which has been a game-changing ritual for me. And doing all that, slowly but surely, my anxiety levels reduce to a point where I'm not out of control. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not anxious. I'm, dare I say, clear-headed and calm. I call my guest today the queen of calm, not only because she is the creator of the Calm the Chaos journal, which is available on Amazon and all online bookstores, of course, but because she has mastered the ways you can calm the chaos in your internal world and your external world. This episode is really full of tangible action steps and a plan that you can take to help put you on a path to calm. I hope this episode has as much positively calming impact on your day-to-day life as it's had on mine. Here we go. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in. It is the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. You know the deal. It's my favorite time of the week. I really, really appreciate you, and you are in for a treat today. I am joined, we're going right into it. I am joined with the queen of calm, dare I say. We'll get all into that. It is Nicola Taggart. How you doing, Nicola? <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> All right, I got to bring my calm in. Hold on. Well, and of course, <laughs> I say uh, queen of calm because, uh, by the way, congratulations on the, um, on the journal. We're going to uh, dissect all of this. Now, I know that it's not new per se. We are talking about Calm the Chaos Journal, but if I'm not mistaken, it is new in a, um, in, in a, um, you found a publisher. Is that the- I did. I, I found the publisher that I wanted to publish this journal and I submitted it and they acquired it and it just got launched into the world. And I mean the world, cause now it's been picked up by a Dutch publisher. It's gonna be translated into Dutch. Ooh. Um, yeah, so last week it launched from Chronicle Books, Calm the Chaos Journal, I'm very excited. Available on all uh, bookstore websites, I'm sure. It is. You can go into your local bookstore and ask for it, and you can purchase it on quite a few bookstores online as well. Wonderful. So I am not too far off by identifying you as the uh, queen of calm, the uh, calm, the chaos journal. So who better to ask? Let's dive right into that aspect. How do you define chaos? What do we mean by that word? Oh gosh, that is a really great question. I think chaos, I define it as both internal and external. And I think it's the balance of trying to manage both of those. (laughs) Um, So the chaos for me means feeling out of control, feeling out of alignment, feeling uh, disengaged, not fully present. Um, Yeah, really just... I like, that you, I like that you said the uh, internal and the external, because when I was trying to I, uh, define it for myself, that certainly came up. 
why do you think that as human beings uh, bouncing around this extraordinary planet of ours, why does it always seem like chaos might be the default? Personally, I spent years and years feeling chaotic, and I'm sure that stress, anxiety, overwhelm, frustration are all uh, siblings of that word. But why, why do we feel so chaotic almost by default okay so i think that there's two two reasons and this gets to the internal external so i'll start with the internal i think the internal is that we are creative beings we are made of energy we are constantly in creation mode whether we think it or not whether we know it or not so there's this internal stuff going on and energy going on and I think a lot of people have a hard time knowing how to focus that energy, how, in, how to release that energy, how to manage that energy. So that's all bouncing around, whether that's you know, thoughts and ideas and worries and concerns. And, and I think that, that that's just a given as being human beings. Then you add on top of it the outer chaos, which you, know, you have anyway if you just have a life, right? There's just, there's life stuff that is going to go on and that's happening and that's part of our journey. I think in this day and age, in our society, it's gotten so intensified with so much coming at us. And again, energy coming at us, information coming at us, ideas coming at us, and then these societal pressures and kind of, I, I actually say that they're there are these success lies that have been created that I think add on this external chaos that connects and intertwines with the internal chaos. And so we've got these layers of expectations that we put on ourselves, expectations others put on us um, to do things a certain way, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, that we literally have created the pressure bubble of chaos. And if you do not find a way to manage it and calm it internally, the external can just take you down. So I, and I, and I also think one of the big societal lies out there is that being successful equals being busy, being, you know, constantly having stuff going on. People wear that busy badge of honor, right? Like that, that means you have made it. If the more you, I don't know if you've experienced that, you know, you walk around and like, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. Like that's the first thing out of people's mouths, you know, not like I'm great. I'm on fire. I've got a lot of great things going on. I, you know, love spending time with my kids. It's I'm so busy. Like that's, that's just chaos right there. And we wear it like that. That means we have succeeded. I love that you spoke about expectations because I, you know, I didn't really call it that when I finally was able to identify what was happening. Like you said, the expectations of others and trying to get the approval of others in how you might expect them to want you to be. Expectations yes. has plagued me for years. And finally it clicked that, oh my God, I, I can't live as each individual other person that I come across in life wants or expects me to be. And that's really what I did my whole life. I just showed up in every environment, every situation in life, in personal, in social, in business as, okay, how do I think this person expects or wants 
or even needs me to be. And that, you know, that's just atrocious. It's exhausting. <laughs> I use that exact term. It certainly is. It became exhausting. And it's, it's not about busy and that became exhausting. And there is a sense of, dare I say, calm and relief and energy that just feels great when you can determine for yourself how to calm that chaos. Yes. What do you make of the term controlled chaos? Well, I think that, you know, ultimately we're all trying to control things constantly. <laughs> and, and again, I think as human beings, and I say this to clients all the time when they're talking about big challenges that they have and why does this stuff happen to me? And, you know, part of what I try to do is normalize that if you are a human being, which let's assume everybody walking around mm -hmm. is, um, and you live a life, which you are, if you're alive, life happens. So part of it is being in that place of recognizing that the ups and downs is part of life. Like we have to have those if we are living life. So the, the controlled chaos piece of it, I think, is recognizing that, you know, I, and I don't like to think of chaos as necessarily a negative thing, because I think it's just, it's, it's the energy that we create, and it's the energy around us. And I think the controlled chaos, or trying to control the chaos, is being very intentional about the energy that you bring into your life, the energy that you allow to come into play into your life. So there is an element of, of trying to control that chaos because I think that chaos is just, it, it's, it's a given. There's so much going on and so much bouncing around. And I don't know, are you a meditator? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you asked. Over the past few months, I've gotten into it. Now will not live without it. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so it's a key and it's one of the key things in, in the journal as well. And, and if you are new to meditation and you are somebody that has a lot of ideas and your mind is going all the time, when you sit down to be quiet, your brain is going at 500 miles an hour. And, and I think that part of that is like, again, it, fe it can feel very chaotic. So you sitting there and giving it space is bringing some control to that chaos and just giving it a place to be without having to do anything with it. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're all, we're all always trying to control everything. <laughs> so if you're trying to control your chaos, uh, that's actually a pretty good place to put some of that control focus on, honestly. Were you always this way? Because I imagine now you have ups and downs um, in your own All the time. world, whether mm -hmm. it's calm or chaotic. I guess the goal is not to, I mean, I don't know even, even if it's possible to never feel chaotic. It's the whole thing like fear. The idea is yeah. to eradicate, eliminate fear. Fear is there for a very specific reason and you're never going to rid yourself of it. It's how you deal with it. And I guess chaos is the same way the more I think about it. Yeah. But what about you? Were, did you? Did you come to this idea because you were just so chaotic? How did you arrive at this? Oh, I'm going to do this calm, the chaos thing. Well, I will say I created the journal or the idea for the journal prompts initially for myself years, probably 10 years ago. And I wanted 
to find a way to pull together different elements that I had been reading about or I'd learned about, you know, at that point, like the gratitude, not, I don't even know if there was a gratitude journal, but the concept of gratitude was just coming out. Um, you know, meditation, that stuff was being talked about. And I wanted a way to kind of keep myself on track and those daily reminders to do it in a consistent way. And I am uh, a checkoff person. Like I like to have some structure because otherwise I forget what I'm supposed to do. Like I probably loved gold star charts as a kid, I'm guessing. Um, so, so I think for me, initially, I was looking for a way to feel more grounded, feel more centered. And it was definitely at a time where things were feeling way more chaotic. I started my business and found out probably three months later that I was pregnant with my first child. And the timing was not intentional. And I so pretty quickly moved into kind of a chaotic place in my life of all of a sudden I'm, you know, birthing this business and, a, and birthing a baby. And um, I did not feel calm. And I will say I created this absolutely to create more of it into my own life. And I, what I will say when you asked about like, have I always been this way? Am I calm all the time? Um, no, I haven't always been this way and I'm not calm all the time. But I will say that I constantly go back to practicing what I preach and I can tell when I'm headed into or when I'm in that kind of chaotic state much faster and I know what to do to get myself back on track much faster. Take us back sometime to Nicola as a child. Paint that picture for us, if you will. So Nicola, as a child, I kind of have two visions of myself. So one is this very um, carefree, lighthearted, talkative, <laughs> which now I'm owning um, a child. Uh, I used to love to just follow my dad around in the backyard in the garden um, based on pictures. It seems like probably naked most of the time. Um, eating fruits and vegetables that my parents had grown. Um, creative, uh, you know, loved doing art projects and uh, creating things and a dancer, loved dancing and being on stage. So that's sort of the early vision that I have. Then my parents divorced when I was relatively young. So, you know, within kind of six, seven, eight, their marriage um, fell apart. And and things definitely change, you know? I mean, I, I definitely feel like um, layers and protective, you know, things were kind of built up and the way I showed up started to, to change in the world. And I think a lot of people experience that, you know, and as a coach, we talk about peeling the layers and trying to get back to the essence of who we really are. Um, and so I love going back to actually thinking about who you were, you know, before key times in your life may have influenced it. Um, and then I think I started to get very concerned about expectations and how I was supposed to be in certain situations and how I was supposed to be to keep the peace and not cause problems and not talk so much and not have opinions. And, and, um, and I think a lot of that spark in me um, I don't want to say died because it's clearly still there and, and coming out more and more, but I think that that got diminished. 
as I got older. Mm -hmm. um, when, when you were, when you were growing up and your, your parents split, where was the, where did you live? Where did I live physically? Yes. I was between my mom and dad. So I was with my mom during the week. I was at my dad's every other weekend. And either prior and or post that incident, what was the energy like growing up? Was it calm or was it more chaotic? You know, it's interesting. That's an interesting question because I actually don't have a lot of strong memories about the time when my parents were together. Now, we could probably psychoanalyze that, um, but, but my feeling that I just sort of comes up for me about that time, uh, especially initially, was that I was absolutely born into a, a, a family of love um, I know both of my parents at their car, core are, are, are pretty lighthearted, um, happy, kind people. Um, now, the stories that I've been told and the conversations that I've had with my parents, especially over the last couple of years, as I've used them as kind of a research for some of the work I've been doing, is that life got more chaotic for them as they both had jobs and two young kids and different expectations about what marriage meant and roles and responsibilities. And um, so I think that there was more chaos and definitely there was more chaos when I was with a single parent most of the time. Um, that was definitely more chaotic. But I don't remember feeling out of control. Like I don't remember my life feeling out of control at, at, you know, at a young age. What did you want to do when you grew up at that time in life? What were you aspiring to be? I think there's some piece of paper somewhere that says I wanted to be a teacher. Um, now one, my mom was a teacher for 35 years, an elementary school teacher. So part of that probably was influenced by her. Now I will say I go volunteer in my nine-year-old son's classroom, and I absolutely would never make it as a teacher <laughs> to kids. But I do realize that I am a teacher uh, with to adults. I'm constantly teaching and sharing insights and information. So it's kind of funny. Like I, yeah. I'm there just in a different way. I think many of us are. We just don't identify with the label teacher yes. because it's so classroom oriented. Yeah. I really think we're all teachers on, on a very big level in some way, no matter what we do. If you really go down that path for yourself, I think you'll find that, yeah, I am a teacher. There yeah. is teaching happening. Teacher for self and for others, right? <laughs> certainly, certainly. And my goodness, I, uh, I am blessed with my, with my two extraordinary children, uh, my five-year-old Danica, my three-year-old Harrison. And never before have I felt taught you know, I mean, it is what it is. These children, these kids teach me so much yep. just by being around them. So, yes. so they're teachers in every regard. Think about it. Yeah. Yep. What about um, high school and beyond? Where did you find yourself career wise? So in high school, I was very active um, in a lot of different activities. I did sports. I did uh, DECA, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's basically a, a business leadership uh, program for kids. 
I was on student council uh, starting from middle school all through high school. In fact, I think my senior year, I was student body treasurer or secretary or something like that. Um, I, I was friends with lots of groups. So I had a core group of friends, but I easily could jump between different groups depending on what activities I was in. I was very active and I really enjoyed high school. I wouldn't say I was a star student by any means. I'm not a great test taker. I did what I needed to do to get my homework done. I got decent enough grades. I perhaps was considered a teacher's pet, but I will say that I liked having relationships and conversations with an adult, with adults at very early age. So even when I would babysit, uh, I would often have relationships with the moms and we would talk about, you know, all things related to life. So pretty early on, and I often was told I was an old soul and mm -hmm. that I was, you know, years beyond my, my age. And I never then took that as a compliment, honestly, um, at that point. But I reflect on it now and I realize that a lot of times I was listening to adults, I was taking in their experiences, I was even giving advice and asking questions probably way before I probably I should have technically from an age standpoint. Um, yeah, I I had I was definitely relationship driven. Mm. I like the old soul comment and how at that age it, it didn't really sit well but now you're like oh yeah I was and not too shabby nothing quite wrong <laughs> with that uh, no. and then um what did you do um college age and beyond in your uh, first career steps yeah so that that journey was sort of interesting um when I was in high school you know I had no idea what I wanted to do where I wanted to go I remember the principal telling me that I should be in public relations. So the principal was the advisor for the student council, so I had a close relationship with him. And um, in fact, he entrusted me enough that my first paid job outside of babysitting was washing police cars because the police chief asked the principal if there was any responsible uh, high school student that he would you know, recommend and he recommended me. And so I would go to the police station and I'd listen on their radio as I was washing their cars. Anyway, so clearly he thought I was a responsible person for that job. And he thought, he, he said, you should go into public relations. And I didn't know what that was when I was a senior in high school. So I ended up going to college. Um, my parents were both the first and only kids in both of their families to attend and finish a four-year college. So in my family, as I was growing up, my brother and I, it, there wasn't a conversation about whether you were going to go to college or not. It was, at that point, it was, ex, it was expected. However, there wasn't money for college and there wasn't any modeling. I think that my parents just didn't have the knowledge to even have conversations about how would you decide where you want to go to school. It's so different now than it was back then. So my dad worked at the same university that he had graduated from, Oregon State University, um, for a number of years. And it was the school, the university was about 15 minutes from this little, I grew up in a very small town, 3,000 people. And um, 
so I just assumed I'd go there. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I, I would go there. My dad suggested that I apply to the other state university, University of Oregon, which was his rival school, ironically, but just to have another option. And I did, and I went to look at it, and I, I loved it. And so I ended up going there, having no clue at all what I wanted to do. My freshman year, I was, oh, I got to pick a major. I think sociology would be interesting. That was my thought. Uh, decided I was going to enroll as a, a sociology major, took my first sociology class, got a D. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, maybe this is not the right direction for me. So I really struggled in college trying to figure out what to major in. And in fact, I have this conversation a lot. I do a lot of work with, um, you know, millennials, people in their, their 20s, um, in terms of making career decisions or trying to figure out what it is that they want to do. Another little side note, societal lie myth that I think has us trapped is this idea that you have to figure out the one thing that you're going to do when you're 18, 20 something years old and figure it out and go in that direction and you're going to be happy with it forever. And if you don't figure it out, you've done something wrong. <laughs> so I, I deal a lot with people that are struggling with that. They feel like they have done something wrong because they haven't found their thing yet. And so what I realize now about my experience in, in college, why I struggled is I'm not a one thing kind of person. And I actually think that, again, if we go back to us being just creative, energetic beings, I don't think anybody is actually. I think that people like experiences. Living life is trying things and some things you're going to like and some things you're not. And some things you're going to be good at and some things you're not. But you actually won't know unless you experience them. Our system is set up that you are supposed to decide what you want to do without really having no experience and, and knowledge. So that's a whole other side conversation. But I realize now that through college, I struggled because the people around me in my circle were very clear already about what they thought they wanted to do. Now, in hindsight, I look back and they're either not happy doing it or some of them completely bailed from it, but I thought that I was out of the norm and I started to feel the pressure because you have to declare a major at a certain point or you will not be able to graduate in time. And so I got my degree in journalism and communications with an emphasis in public relations. Ah, there it is. <laughs> and um, did my first internship, internship in public relations and hated it. Mm -hmm. And I was so upset because I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I don't even like sitting here writing press releases and trying to pin, spin people's stories. And there's lots more to public relations than that, but that's kind of what I was doing at the time. But you felt um, a little bit of an obligation because it was presented to you that that's what you might find yourself wanting to do? Well, yeah, I think it was, you know, I had that in my head of, oh, my principal thought I'd be good at this. I'm not sure he even knew what public relations was. I was majoring in it. So it was like, oh, this is the thing that I had chosen. And yet um, you did it and not happy. Was not fulfilled by it. Now, here's the thing about trying things out and having great mentoring and coaching is that uh, the place where I was doing an internship that I didn't like working, they asked me to continue on. I actually talked to that woman who I considered a mentor and told her my, what my concern was. And she said, is there anything about this experience that you have enjoyed? 
And I said, yes, I have loved the event planning aspect of it. And she said, great, why don't you go try to find a internship doing event planning and try that out for a little while. Um, and so I happened to walk on down to the Alumni Association office where they did lots of events and said, do you have an internship program? And they said, no. And I said, would you let me be an intern? And she said, awesome. <laughs> so I created my own internship program um, and, and then got into event planning, which led me to my first paid job out of college. And in fact, the organization that I ended up working for out of college, they had two job openings. They were both termed as public relations. One was straight public relations, media relations, which I'd already was clear I didn't like. And the other one was community event planning. So traveling around the country and putting on these patient advocacy meetings. And I, they, they said, you know what, we'll let you pick which one you want. We're offering them both, pick which one you want. And I, this was one of those first tests. I felt like I should pick the straight public relations one because that's what my degree was in and it kind of had more of that sexy I'm in public relations feel but my heart and my gut was like that one sounds more fun I think I'm gonna do better at that and I, I took the second one and that led me to so many great experiences as a result of that kind of first instinct of following my heart versus following what I think I should do imagine that now there is so much you you mentioned in that in, in that segment. I know I gave you a lot there, Josh. <laughs> and I got I got notes scribbled here. So going back a little bit, you were talking about coaching millennials, and um, you said that a lot of them haven't figured out what they want to do yet. My goodness, I barely figured out what I want to do yet at this age, right? That's what I say all the time. That's what I say all the time. Like it's not a 20 something year old. I work with 40 something. 50. They're still like trying to figure out for what's the thing. And I got to like, let go you, of the thing. I know there. I mean, come on. We, and, and I'm like sort of in real time identifying this and embracing it and learning it and figuring it all out. But we're, we're on this planet for a, um, you know, a um, really a short amount of time, yeah. but enough time to, to really sink your teeth into either something or many things. Why can't there be many things if it works for you, your lifestyle, your, your habits, your desires? One of the reasons I, I think people shy away from that is A, because as you were saying, there's a stigma in today's world that you have to do one thing, find it as early as possible and, and grow in that industry and yeah. live happily ever after. Because if not, you're going to look flaky and flighty and all those other things. But also... If you bounce around, let's say that you you try and give it your all and succeed in these in these little um, miniature areas back to back in your life, and you're happy, everyone's around you happy. There's food on your table. You're fulfilled. You're taking care of what needs to get done. But there's something that might, in the back of your mind, whether it's it's self-imposed or what you think society is going to think. There's a stigma of, oh my God, I failed yep. if you bounce from one thing to another. Like personally, I spent 15 years as an actor filmmaker, loved every minute of it. I don't technically do it now and today. I use a lot of that passion and skill and ability today. But did I fail? 
Of course not. I'm just not doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a really key point because I will say people are miserable because they are feeling like they have failed because they have not found the thing or they chose a thing and it doesn't feel like the right thing. I mean, the, it, so if, if you are listening and you feel like you haven't found the thing and you're worried about not finding the thing, I always, you know, the, the best thing you can do is let go of trying to find the thing and get out there and go into curiosity mode and just pay attention to what lights you up, what interests you, even things that get you fired up in a negative way. That's still energy. It tells you there's something about that that you know you, you connect to. And, and I just say like in your phone, pen or paper, just start making lists of things that pique your interest. And, and what I notice with people is that there's a tremendous amount of relief that happens the moment they let go of trying to find the thing and they just allow themselves to kind of play a little bit. Now I get that there can be the pressure of I've got to make money that, and that is, you know, being a business owner, right? How do you balance that with, I've got to make money and here's this thing that could make money. Now in the coaching world, which is what I have had my business in, it has been challenging because what is told to coaches is that the way you become successful is to find your niche and what your signature program is and you follow this path and you do the same thing. And I have, I have struggled and fought throughout my 15 years having my own business feeling wrong because I hadn't found my niche. I hadn't found my thing within my thing. So isn't that funny? It's like I found my thing, uh, but I still was wrong for not finding the thing within the thing, you know, to be successful. And the more I've been able to just allow myself to realize that there are different ways I can express myself in different ways I can uh, be successful with my business and kind of play in that variety instead of forcing it down one direction, the more successful my business has been and the the way happier I've been. <laughs> well, that sounds like a double win. How do you define success? I define success as contentment, actually. So for me, it's do I feel content and satisfied in what I'm doing with the work that I do? in the relationship that I have with my husband, in the relationship I have with my kids, with friends, with the way I show up in my community. It, for me, it's really about contentment. And the moment that I feel dissatisfied or not content is an indication for me that something's out of alignment, whether it's my expectation of myself or whether it's actually the situation. And that's kind of when I reevaluate things. I love earlier that you were talking about early on, you had those two choices. Hey, pick, pick your path laid out before you. And you went with the one that you trusted in your heart and your gut. Um, you've, you've said that one of your natural gifts is the ability to read between the lines. Tell me what that means. So I'm, perceptive. Uh, I think that maybe in a past life, I was a 
private investigator or something. <laughs> I pick up on things that are often not said um, or are said, but you know, so I, it, it's definitely helpful for me to see body language. Um, but even on, you know, I do a lot of coaching just over the phone and I, I can, I don't know, I can see things and I can read things that are not directly said. And I use that a lot. I guess it's intuition. Um, I, and, and that is one of the things, you know, in terms of talking about owning who you are, I used to, shy away from sharing that. I would hesitate using that in my coaching. I would hesitate sharing that with friends and family. Now I'm just owning it because what I have found is that I, people actually, sometimes I'll say I'm sensing this and I don't know whether this is, this is right or not, but when it is right, they love it. <laughs> They're like, oh my gosh, somebody sees me, you know, and again, reflecting back to using, using experiences with other people as little indicators, you're on track. So the thing about people saying, oh, I was a wise soul or years, be, you know, wise beyond my years. The other thing I noticed is that when I look back, many people over time have told me things because I have had a hit or an intuition about something and I've asked a follow-up question or I've said, are you okay? Something seems to be off. And they've shared something with me that they have admitted they have never shared before with somebody. Or once they've shared it, they have literally freaked out because they have said it to somebody and they'd only been thinking it. And now, oh my gosh, it's out there. So I guess it's, it's intuition, I guess. Yeah. Is that something we all have? I think it is. In fact, I was just having this conversation with a client yesterday. I actually think that we do, but here's the key. And this is where calming the chaos comes in. You cannot have a relationship with your intuition and hear your intuition and respond to your intuition unless you have some calm in your life. So even if chaos is happening around you, and this is where I go now much faster, is even if chaos is happening around me and then I can start feeling the chaos internally and then I go into control mode because that makes me feel better, but often that doesn't look very good or sound very good, that the faster I can go internally to a place of calm and get centered, the quicker I can get that hit about what direction to take, what response to have. And I'm talking about as simple as my kids are coming at me with requests. Can we do this? Can I have this? And I'm, I'm feeling the chaos bubbling up because I'm in the middle of doing something and I'm not sure whether it's the right parenting decision and all this stuff is, and I'm flooded and I can respond in that flooded place, which again is not so pretty and usually isn't the right answer. Or I can take a pause Pause is a very powerful thing, even if it's a moment, and check in with myself and listen to that hit and respond from there, and it's always on key. It's absolutely beautiful. And also, if I'm not mistaken, what you're referring to is the idea that we, in every single moment, in every single situation, we have the choice on how to feel, 
and how to react and how to respond. It yes. is not inherently uh, defaulted to one thing or another. It is a deliberate choice, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, my gosh, um, for, for like 40 plus years of my life, I'm only over the past few years really able to get this under control and over the past few months really making it work for myself. Chaos was my norm. My thoughts overran me. I was, to say that I was uh, full of anxiety is the understatement. I couldn't figure anything out. But now through new habits and new routines and new mm -hmm. intentions and new deliberate actions, my goodness, I am able, including... Um, um, meditation, which we spoke about a bit. That's been a game changer, a literal life changer for me. It's my daily, nightly habit now. Mm -hmm. uh, meditation, I, I will not uh, live without it because it's been the big game changer for me. Um, and it's just amazing to have that, that clarity and that thought process where your thoughts don't overrun and overtake yeah. your life. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Oh, man, that's a deep question. I, let me put it this way. I trust the process. So I, um, let me give you an example. So I had this journal coming out last week and literally the week before was losing it because my website was not going so well. <laughs> and, um, as I said to my husband, is it ironic that I'm feeling anything but calm right before my calm the chaos journal comes out? And he said, I'm not commenting. <laughs> He's learned well. Um, so I, here's, here's a perfect example of how I apply this. So I, my brain got hijacked and I, things were not working well and the creative part of the process and the technical part of the process was not coming together. And I was creating a pretty uh, great story uh, that my brain was attaching to. And the anxiety started to go up and my frustration went up and I was not enjoying where I was. So here I was days before my book, that has been a dream of mine is going to be launched into the world and I'm feeling miserable. And, and I had a choice to continue following that story. And, and I actually think I was a little bit kind of sabotaging myself with the misery. Like I can't really enjoy this, right? Let me create a reason <laughs> to, um, so I, I actually had enough awareness to kind of take a step back and thought, there's a reason why this is happening right now. There's a reason why this is not coming together right now. So can I let go of this for the moment and trust that this is all in the perfect timing? And the moment that I did that, I, I'm not kidding you, it was probably within 30 minutes, I had this total clarity on the direction that I wanted to go with it. I was able to shoot that off to the person that was helping me. And I also said, and you know what? I am actually not worried about getting this new website launched by the time the book gets launched. Like mm. I'm, I'm going to take away that 
pressure I put on myself and I'm going to, we're going to let it go and we're going to let the timing happen the way that it needed to. So I think that's like an example where do I feel like everything happens for a reason? I you know it's hard for me in some cases to go there, especially when extreme things happen to, to people, but I do trust the process of life. Uh, I think trust is a, is a big component of how I operate in the world and how I even operate my business. So I, does that answer? Brilliantly. Okay. What do you believe happens when our physical journey here is all over? Guy, you are really <laughs> going there. I believe that our energy, our spirit, our love just continues on. Okay. That yeah. It continues on in some form or fashion. We just get absorbed into everything uh, else that's happening. And yeah, I mean, as far as I know, that, that's what I'm choosing to believe. Perfecto. Are you spiritual or religious in any way today? Not religious, not affiliated with any religion. I would say I am spiritual. Definitely believe in something greater than us, that we are, are all connected by energy and spirit and love, and that, um, that the universe slash God, whatever you want to call it, is, um, wants the best for everyone if we're willing to align with that. Absolutely amazing. I will leave you with this one final question. Nicola Taggart, how would you like to be remembered? I want to be remembered as compassionate, brave, courageous, and that I helped liberate people from the limitations that society has put on many. That's a fantastic fantastic remembrance. Sounds extraordinary, which I know that's the kind of work you do uh, all, not only through the Calm the Chaos journal, which um, is extraordinary. And again, congratulations on that, Thank uh, you. On that publishing release. Uh, if people want to virtually give you a big old hug or handshake, how can they best do it? There's two ways. You can connect with me through my website, which is nicolataggart.com. And also I'm pretty active on Facebook. I have my own business Facebook page. And there's also the Calm the Chaos page if you want to get different tips and tools and thoughts and insights on calming the chaos in your life on a daily basis. Well, I certainly do. That's where I'm going to be jumping over to in just a few moments. Nicola, I want to thank you for joining us, for opening up, for really showing us the way, for helping us remain calm amidst <laughs> all the chaos. Did I lie, guys and gals? It is the queen of calm, Nicola <laughs> Taggart. Thank you so much, Nicola, again, for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you liked this, please do subscribe so you do not miss an episode. We're here every week for you. Rate and review. Let us know how you feel about it. Send any thoughts, questions, or follow-ups my way, and um, hopefully we can get them over to uh, Nicola for follow-up dialogue. Who doesn't love that? Good deal? 
Thank you, Josh. What a pleasure. Absolute pleasure to you too. Thank you, everybody. Until next time, go get them. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.